It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. everybody this is rams up your favorite la rams podcast you can also follow us on youtube our youtube handle is at la rams up hey we're not insiders here we're just rams fans that love talking about our la rams i'm your host mark let's get to it Welcome back, Ram fans. This is episode 226 of Rams Up. Got some good stuff to share with you this episode. We have a player focus on our new offensive lineman, Kevin Dotson, came over in that trade from the Steelers. I have a new who's pumped, who's pissed, who's perplexed. Always a lot of fun. Taking the pulse of NFL fan bases before the 2023 season starts. They should all be warned. How they feel about their teams is going to change very quickly. That's just the nature of the NFL. And I also revisit a sports pet peeve, one that is very close and dear to my heart, having to do with that powerhouse of college football, the SEC. Get to some Ram news. Cooper Cup, he aggravated that hamstring. Now he is visiting a specialist in Minnesota trying to get to the root of these recurring hamstring issues. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. They're still calling him day-to-day. Let's just cross our fingers that he's available for that Seattle game. I sense that he will be. I think this is just an effort to make sure they don't continue to recur. We need Cooper Cup 
for that Seattle game. Now, I'm not saying all is lost without him, but man, he he is so important to this offense. I saw an article, and I don't remember who wrote it or where it came from. I usually like to give credit, but I, sorry, don't know where I saw this. This writer rated the NFL triplets, that's the quarterback, best wide receiver, and top running back for each NFL team. Rams came in 16th, which I thought was fair. Surprised it wasn't worse the way most of these NFL experts are talking about the Rams these days. But they're not assessing Stafford end of 2021. They're assessing Stafford end of 2022. So it's reasonable to ding them at the quarterback position. And Ager is kind of an up and down running back. Cooper Cup, one of the best in the league. So 16th overall. I'm not going to take issue with that. So it's official. The Rams are the second youngest team in the league. They come in at 25.7 years of age. Right behind the Packers, the youngest team. Some news out of Seattle. Robert Rochelle has been signed to their practice squad. Now your first reaction is, what kind of intelligence can he share with that Seattle team? You know, I wouldn't lose any sleep over that. There's probably some tidbits he can share with the Seattle offense, but beyond that, I don't think it's a big factor. And by the way, Jamal Adams, the Seattle safety, will miss that game for sure. Trey Tomlinson, the rookie cornerback for the Rams, fined for over $4,000 for that face mask against the Broncos. I don't think it was intentional, but it was pretty brutal. So that's a big ding for a rookie, but probably a fair fine. Before we move on to our three segments, a programming note, we will not have a Monday morning pod. However, Paul, Tom, and I are getting together Monday, Labor Day, we're going to put together our preview of the 2023 season. That's for the Rams and the entire NFL, really. Make some predictions. Share some thoughts on this upcoming season. And that should be posted Tuesday morning for you. So let's get to that player focus on Kevin Dotson, our new interior offensive lineman. Hey, Ram fans, let's take a moment to get to know our new offensive lineman, Kevin Dotson, came over from the Steelers in that trade. 6'4", 321 pounds. And again, as some have mentioned on social media, Rams going large along the offensive line. And this foretells perhaps a different strategy, some different tactics up front in the run game. And Sean McVay alluded to this adding Steve Avila and now Kevin Dotson, big boys up front, could be a different running style. And this is going to make it a little more difficult for teams to prepare for the Rams, especially in the early going. Rams perhaps changing it up a little bit and give Sean McVay credit if this is the case, thinking outside the box, willing to change to move this franchise along and get back to the playoffs. So let's get to know Dotson a little bit. As I said, 6'4", 321 pounds, attended Plaquemine High School in Louisiana and played football there with his twin brother, Kenny. Moved on to the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, and by the time he was done there, highly decorated, first team all Sun Belt as a senior. 
goes into the NFL draft, and NFL.com's Lance Zerline rated him a 6.10, extremely draftable, fundamentally sound, great initial first step, and well-versed in inside and outside zone blocking, brute force type of guard. Did have some shortcomings, said he wasn't a natural knee bender, and a little short, top-heavy build could hold him back a little bit. But overall, you read this, these draft profiles, and there was a lot of love for Kevin Dotson prior to the 2020 draft. So the Steelers draft him fourth round, pick 135, a couple of picks before the Rams draft Bryson Hopkins, their current number two tight end. So we start at 30 games over three years for the Steelers, and over those three years, his pass blocking was in between 77 and 87.2 according to Pro Football Focus. But if you talk to people that watch the Steelers closely, as I did, they'll tell you that they were more impressed with his run blocking than his pass blocking. Felt like he got thrown in as a starter much earlier than he, he should have been, wasn't quite ready. Offensive line was in a shamble, so he gets thrown in there as a rookie, and he was really susceptible to stunts, had trouble communicating with his teammates, or maybe they had trouble communicating with him. And he gave up some sacks that he shouldn't have, but looked really good as a road grading guard and very good in run blocking. So kind of getting mixed reports here, but I'll go with what a diehard Steeler fan tells me. Shows a lot of promise in the run game, has to be in the right system, and with the right teammates, and he could be a very good pass blocker too. So what are the Rams' plans for him? Well, I hope they get him on the field soon because this is the problem. He's a free agent after this year. The Rams slid down one round in the next draft and the following draft for his services. Hopefully they can re-sign him, and if not, I'd hope that he's on the field, not just a backup all year, and I sense that he will eventually be our starting right guard. Just a gut feeling. It'll be Avila and either Allen or Shelton and Dotson at right guard. But they have so many options up front right now. Tremaine Ankrum, Joe, Joseph Noteboom, Shelton, if he wins the starting job at center. Brian Allen becomes a backup and one of these other guys gets plugged in at right guard. A lot of options but I'm betting on Kevin Dotson, maybe by week three or four, being our starting right guard. Could be wrong, just a gut feeling, just a guess, but I don't think you trade for a 321-pound guard with NFL experience that's going to be a free agent after this year just to be a backup. That's it on Kevin Dotson, another player focus done for you here. And we'll have another one. We'll probably get to our new cornerback maybe next episode. Just signed Duke Shelley, the Kansas State cornerback, drafted in the sixth round by the Bears in 2019. Hey, Ram fans, Mark from Rams up here. I have another segment of who's pumped, who's pissed, who's perplexed taking the pulse of NFL fan bases right before the season starts. How are some of these fan bases feeling about their teams? I'll start with who's pumped. And clearly, 
the Pittsburgh Steelers fan base is pumped. And it's mainly because of that quarterback and that wide receiver, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Both of them look like they're ready to take the next step. And, you know, Steelers fans, it doesn't take much for them to get excited, to be quite honest with you. They are, they're always pumped about their team, and rightfully so, usually. And this year, once again, this could be a really good team thanks to this dynamic duo, Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. I'd be excited if I was a Steeler fan. And that opener at home against San Francisco, that's going to be a really telling game about the direction of these two teams. Who else is pumped? The Packer fan base is pumped, you know, they go into this thinking, this season thinking, you know, maybe this is not the year. Maybe we should take a step back in our expectations. We had Brett Favre, and then we had Aaron Rodgers. Can we really hit the jackpot again with another quarterback, Jordan Love? And once again, a guy that sat for a while waiting for his turn, and all reports are he's actually looking pretty good. And this is kind of bad news for the Rams. Rams draw the Packers once again on their schedule this year, thinking maybe this is the year they don't have to go against a great quarterback. Uh, Jordan Love may not be a great quarterback, but he certainly sounds like he's going to be competent. So Packer fans have to be pumped a little bit right now, hopeful at least. I think the New York Jets fan base is pumped just because, you know what, they're not going to be bad. I'd really... I really don't see them being bad. They could be pretty good. They could be very good. So you have to be pumped. I mean, in that division, they've been looking up at the Patriots forever. Then they're looking up at the Bills. The Dolphins are a strong team. It's a really tough division. And you can't blame Jets fans for being pumped just because they are going to be competitive for sure. The problem is they may be headed for some disappointment. And one last team that I think... Uh, the fan base that should be pumped anyways is I think if I was an Atlanta Falcons fan, I'd be pretty pumped about this running back. That's still a weak division. You know, the NFC South, the Saints still could be decent. The Panthers, who knows? The Bucks, they'll be struggling this year, I think. So that division is, I wouldn't say it's necessarily up for grabs, but the Saints, I think, would be the favorite right now. But the Falcons certainly have a shot. And without running back, he could be very special. So those are my four pumped teams. Who's the pissed fan base? Hey, I'm going to look in the mirror and tell you I'm kind of pissed. Just this Cooper Cup situation, maybe pissed is too strong a way of putting it, but not happy that he aggravated that hamstring injury. I don't know how that happens. I wish I had more details. You're not going to get that coming out of Ram Camp, but I would hope that he is babying that thing all the way up till Sunday. So I'm a little pissed that that happened. And who's perplexed? Two NFC West fan bases should be perplexed. I think the Cardinal fan base should be perplexed. That team, they got a new coach. Uh, they're kind of almost seems like they're doing the, the Los Angeles Angels thing, not really striving for success this year. Uh, I mean, they're saying all the right things there. The coaching staff is. Uh, they think they're going to be competitive, but all signs are uh, they are not in. Uh, they're not. They're not striving for success this year. They're looking at 
drafting Caleb Williams. That's what I think they're doing, moving on from Kyler Murray. So maybe you should be happy if you're a Cardinal fan. You're not going to the Super Bowl this year. So if you're not going to the Super Bowl, you're probably not even getting to the playoffs. What are we doing here? We're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. That's what we're doing. Still be perplexed, though. And I think 49er fans have to be a little perplexed. You hear these comments by Jimmy G about how they handled their quarterbacks over there. They got this kicker situation going on. Nick Bosa, that could be solved by the time you hear this. But there is still, you know, for a team that is so good and such a stacked roster, they just have these unnecessary distractions. Uh, all of, kind of the 49ers making, though, really. And, you know, you got to feel good about where this team is headed, their chances this year. But at the same time, in the back of your mind, you're wondering, is this the year? Maybe it isn't. Maybe it is. We'll see. But if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm a little perplexed. That's all I got this time. We'll be back at it. We'll revisit this once in a while. It's always fun. I like doing these segments. Who's pumped? Who's pissed? Who's perplexed? There you have it this time around. I'm going to revisit a sports pet peeve that I shared previously. It's probably been a couple years, but good time to get back to it. And I'll explain in a minute. What I'm talking about is, well, let, let me start out this way. I'm going to tell you that I have the utmost respect for SEC football. Top-notch, cream of the crop, some of the best programs in the country. They've been dominating the college football championship. The NFL draft is littered with SEC football players. They are the best, no doubt about it, and I'm not questioning that at all. What I do want to bring up once again and it became even clearer this past week. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. How they got there. What are some of the things that they did to reach this level of dominance? And you have to go back to the mid-1990s, and there's something the SEC team started doing. Might have even gone before, happened before that. I'm not sure. I went back to 1995, and it is incredible how rarely SEC teams travel, schedule road games against Power 5 teams in hostile stadiums. Now, they have their fair share of neutral site games that always end up in places like Atlanta and Dallas, and they end up in bowl games, which are generally in neutral sites. But if you're looking for some of these powerhouse SE teams traveling to hostile stadiums out of state, out of into different time zones even, it's, it's a pretty difficult search to find to find these games. And I'm bringing this up because of what happened to Florida the other day. Speaking of Florida, since 1995, do you want to know how many times they've traveled out of state? Let me put it another way. They've scheduled out-of-state non-conference games against legitimate opponents. Well, even any opponent. 
since 1995, 27 going on 28 years, not a zero, not a once. They, their non-conference scheduled games have been against Miami, Florida State, and South Florida. I think it adds up to like seven games, seven times they've done that. It could be off. But it, it's pretty incredible if you think about it. Out of not not even uh, not let alone out of state. Uh, how about traveling outside your time zone, like some of these Big Ten and Pac-12 teams have been doing for years? And they haven't fared well in those games either. And you look at Auburn and Alabama, very similar situation. Let's look at some numbers here. I have them here. Bear with me one second. Since 1995, Auburn has seven such games where they've scheduled non-conference opponents, Power 5 teams, and hostile stadiums. Seven such games, they went 2-5. and five. Alabama, seven times, they've gone 4-3 and three in those games where they've played out-of-conference Power 5 teams, scheduled these games in hostile stadiums. Seven times, they've gone 4-3. and three. Now, Ohio State and Michigan, I know they've done it plenty. I took a look at UCLA and USC during that same time period. UCLA, 29 such games where they've traveled out of their conference many times across the country, different time zones, and taken on teams like Ohio State, Michigan, Nebraska, Texas, Texas, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, 29 times, and they've won 16 of them. USC, 33 times in that same time period. They've taken on teams like Florida State, Arkansas, BYU, Texas. This school in Indiana, oh, what's what, what's their name? Notre Dame, 13 times. Road games against Notre Dame, 13 times. USC has finished 19 wins, 14 losses in those games. So what I'm getting at here is, while we can applaud the SEC for their dominance in college football, I think they've kind of gamed the system over these years, playing, refusing to travel and play legitimate opponents in hostile stadiums. The result is that early on in that period, they were winning eight, nine, ten games, playing schools like Furman and Tennessee Martin, while USC is playing Notre Dame and Michigan is traveling to Washington and Ohio State is playing Stanford. So obviously these teams in the SEC in those early years were going to rack up eight, nine, ten wins on a regular basis. They really only have three or four critical games on their schedule because they do have a couple of easy games in the SEC. And they play so many home games. They'll play three Patsies at home virtually every year, sometimes two. So what does that reduce their schedule to? Two or three critical games within within their conference that they have to win. And if they win them, they're probably going to be in the SEC playoff and a good shot at the college football championship. And I blame this on the pollsters early on, especially. How many times have we seen a non-SEC team travel from, let's say, Washington or Oregon or California to Pennsylvania or Ohio or vice versa, lose to an underdog by three or four points and get dinged in the polls. Well, Alabama or Auburn is beating 
Furman at home, 38 to nothing. And they don't get dinged at all. Now, if I'm a voter, the easy fix for this way back when was if I'm a pollster, I'm saying, you know what, Alabama, you're not getting a vote from me if you're scheduling Furman at home. You, you could be the defending national championship. And in some cases, they probably were. You're not getting a vote. You know, that's that's not happening. And I'm not going to ding Michigan for losing by three at Oregon when they were a seven point favorite. Not happening. And this is what I this is the issue I have with the SEC. I applaud them. They're the greatest conference in college football. No doubt about it. They have the best players. They have the best teams. But I wish people had recognized early on what they were doing here. The other thing they do is uh, they will very often take a bye before their big games. If they, if they have a big game on their schedule, they'll make sure they have a bye. Of course, their opponent actually does that too. So both SEC teams taking a bye before the big one. So why should we be surprised? Florida traveling to Utah for the first time, first time scheduling a game out of state, let alone across the country, playing a legitimate Power 5 team who is playing their second and third string quarterback, by the way, and they get manhandled and lose. Welcome to real college football, Gators. Welcome to the way the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have been doing it for years, playing to anyone, anywhere, anytime. Not surprised at all with what happened to the Gators. going to do it for this episode remember you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com visit our website at ramsup.com and don't forget about our youtube channel our handle is at laramsup.com till next time keep the horns up stay safe and have fun out there music courtesy of the youtube audio library tracks featuring bar crawl by track tribe Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamama. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.